0: Well, hello, hello there. I am so glad you're here today. We are going to be talking about the belly, the stomach, the part in between your boobs and your hips, whatever you want to call it. I am going to call it the core. Because the core includes so many more muscles than just stomach or pooch or whatever you want to call it. But it includes, you know, if you think about it, the back is the backside of your core. It includes all your inner core muscles, your obliques, your rectus abdominis, your transverse abdominals, and also your pelvic floor muscles. That's the whole trunk. It's your whole unit, the center of your body. So today we're going to be talking about that area. And what the heck happens to it after we have babies? Now, this is going to be helpful information, whether you had a baby a week ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. 20 years ago, it really doesn't matter because the truth is after you have a baby, that entire region is just different. It's just not the same. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about that region and what to do with it. And I think often as women, sometimes like, especially in the past, I feel like we've gotten better about it, but people are not embarrassed or like scared to ask like awkward questions. <laughs> And I know when I had my twins, a lot of, like, weird things were happening. And I was, like, embarrassed and thought, like, oh, my gosh, I bet this doesn't happen to other people. And so, like, I didn't want to talk about it. And then, like, as I started opening up, A, I learned more. B, I learned what was normal and what was not normal. Things I thought were okay weren't okay. And I just got so much more information. It is one of my favorite things about social media is that I feel like it's opened this whole conversation about women's health and the core and postpartum, whether you're two weeks or 20 years postpartum, like what is going on with the core muscles and a lot of clearing up misinformation. So today I am going to break down some myths that are super common that I see all over mainstream fitness. Some myths about the core muscles and some facts about the core muscles. And I hope that you walk away feeling a little bit more empowered, a little bit more safe and have a bigger understanding of your body and how it works and knowing that like you're not alone. Like there is some funky stuff that happens to all of us. And today while I'm gonna keep it pretty simple, I can do a more in-depth version of some of this. We're gonna go over just some basic things that I think are complete common misconceptions, facts and myths. Here we go. And today's show sponsor is ACTA Wear. It is an activewear line. And let me tell you why I love them. With every single purchase, a portion of the proceeds goes to a donation of your choice. So they donate to four different charities. It is childhood cancer, sex trafficking, clean water drinking, or mental health and the coolest part is on all of their clothes they have four dots on the outside like on the back of the bra or like on the back of the pants. And that represents the four different charities that they donate to. I have their Flux Impact Bra. I love it. If you are a little bit more busty, it would be great because it's a little bit broader on the front. I'm not busty, but I still feel like it fits so well. It doesn't cut off into my sides and it's super buttery soft and the material is just super amazing. I really, really like it. If you use the code Simple, it's the name of the podcast, Make It Simple. you get 10% off anything on their site. And they really do have some amazing pants and some really good sports bras. The next thing I want to try from them is they have this crop tank that looks super comfortable that's ribbed. So again, ACTA, 10% off their site with Make It Simple. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated, and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy, and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. All right, so here's the truth. You get pregnant. You have the baby. All of a sudden, you feel like it is time for me to bounce back. Everything you see on social media— In the papers, you know, with movie stars, everyone's bouncing back. And we're feeling all this pressure to have our stomachs go back to normal. And when they don't, we feel discouraged. We feel like there's something wrong with us. But maybe that's a myth. Maybe the truth is. That mainstream media telling you that you need to bounce back is incorrect, that there might actually be if you have like a little bit of a belly and it's sticking around and you're eating pretty healthy and you're exercising regularly and you just have this lower belly pooch is the easiest way to describe it. Maybe the real issue isn't that you're failing at bouncing back and that's actually the myth, but the real fact is there's a real Medical issue that's going on, and that is one hundred percent true. I had diastasis recti, diastasis recti, diastasis recti. I've heard it said so many different ways from different people, so I'll I will say all the ways. But the truth is, studies have found that up to sixty percent of women experience diastasis recti during pregnancy or postpartum, and there was another study that said up to one in two women have DR. I'm going to call it DR for short, just so you know, it's the abbreviation, have DR postpartum. That is really common, yet I feel like it's very rarely talked about, you know, in mainstream fitness, and we start to think, oh, we're failing, but that's the myth, The truth is, the fact is, it's a real medical issue. Now, what happens with DR is you have your rectus abdominis. So that is your six-pack that runs down the center of your stomach. You have a right ab and a left ab. And down the middle of your rectus abdominis is your linea alba. It's basically a thin line of connective tissue. When you get pregnant, all of the hormones come in, relaxing, all the things, and your belly starts to expand. And one of the ways that we expand to fit that baby is that linea alba stretches out. Now, for some women, they can be, it's less common when women are taller. Um, DR is more common if you are a mom of multiples, if you have kids back to back, if you have a big baby, and even sometimes if you have a more compact core, like less space. Space for the baby to grow. I know you know what I mean. Like some women you see and they're super tall and you don't even notice their belly. And then sometimes women are shorter, they go straight out. Like they could put a plate on their belly. I think it's adorable, but it's just bellies are all shaped different. That belly stretches out. And then after we have the baby, if those core muscles are not trained properly, they don't reconnect back in. And if the connective tissue, that linea alba, doesn't, like, strengthen back up, then the tension between our right ab and our left ab becomes very weak. So when we do certain motions, if we, you know, pick something up that's heavy, if we twist awkwardly, if we do a crunch, imagine a weakened core. Like imagine a balloon. Let's imagine a balloon right where your stomach is and you draw your six pack down the center of it. And imagine doing a crunch or picking up something heavy and your sides squeezing. What's going to happen? The balloon is going to bulge down the center down the ridge line. It's going to make a ridge down the front. And that's what we call coning or ridging or doming. And so that's what happens. Many OBs talk about this very openly. Many midwives do. They do a fantastic job of educating their patients and these new moms and moms who have had multiple kids. Like there are many fantastic doctors. But not everybody does. And that's just the truth. It's just like there are some good trainers and bad trainers. Not everyone does things the same. And so then women don't know that this is a real problem, that this really happens. They think the problem is with them and they fall into the myth of mainstream fitness, which you know, I love fitness, like with all my heart, my, mind and soul. I love fitness, but I hate pieces of fitness. And this is a piece of fitness I dislike where after a baby, we fall into this mainstream fitness and we're told, you just need to crunch. You need to do more crunches and more ab exercises and your lower belly will go away. That is a myth. You are irritating your stomach. You are irritating that weakened linea alba. You are irritating the pelvic floor. You are causing it to ridge up in the center and you're actually making it worse. So that is a myth. We are also told you just need to do more cardio. That is a myth. A cardio activity, while it's fantastic for your brain, while it might get your endorphins going, it's not going to fix DR. It's not going to fix diastasis, okay? Not going to do it. It's not the trick. It's for your heart and lungs. Cardio stands for cardiovascular. I think sometimes we forget that. That is the purpose of it. It's not going to fix your lower stomach if it has separated. That is a medical issue, Something else that we're often told is, well, just eat less food. In my DR guide, because I have a guide about this and I explain, you know, how to help heal it. But one of the sections I go over is nutrition. And I explain that, yes, there can be a layer of fat. Now, you have to learn to recognize the difference between DR and a layer of fat, like for that lower belly. I will add a link so you can self-test yourself for diastasis recti um, in the show notes. So you can test. It's super easy. You can do it at home. It just tells you how to, like, use your fingers to lift your head and tell if there's a gap there. So you do have to be aware. Is there a gap? Is there fat? Is there a mix of both? And that is common. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But knowing the difference is important. And sometimes I've seen women where the belly is firm. It's pushed out. There's really not a layer of fat there. And even for some women where there is a layer of fat, it's still really firm and pushed out. And it tends to lay more flat in the morning and gets pushed out throughout the day. Starving yourself and like eating less and less food is not going to be the answer. That's a myth. Again, because this is a medical condition of splitting muscles. And you actually need a form of physical therapy to work the inner core muscles to train the right ab and the left ab to connect back together properly. So that's really important. Those are all myths. The next myth that's kind of like all connected to all of this is sucking in. So oftentimes we're told, and I've seen women, I've had clients tell me, oh, I was told after I have the baby, just get used to sucking in or always stand with your chest raised because it makes your stomach look smaller. No, 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 no. That is a myth. Do not do that. You are making the problem Worse because part of learning to heal your core, which is the fact, is learning to breathe properly. So, we went through a bunch of myths, and a fact if you truly want to improve your core is learning to diaphragm breathe. So, when you are sucking in, you are doing the opposite, you are not letting your core do the work, and you're breathing with your chest. Oftentimes, when we're pregnant, we've got this big old belly everything's difficult. It's hard to lean over. It's hard to tie your shoes. It's hard. It's hard to see everything like shaving your legs. That's out the window. I can't even see anything down there. (laughs) Maybe you can but I can't. It's all a blur. We get in this motion where we forget that like we are start breathing with our chest when we're pregnant and we forget how to breathe with our bellies with our ribs. So the first thing you can do if you're wanting to feel improvements in your core by feeling I mean less back pain, like oftentimes women will have back pain when they have a weak core because if you think about it, Your core is connected. It's the front side of your back. So if your core in the front is weak, your back is going to take the brunt of the work. It's going to try to make up for a weaker front side. So your lower back will hurt more. So that's also why it's important to strengthen the front of the core. So we start this by breathing. We start this with the diaphragm breath. Again, imagine a balloon. And when you breathe, you can lay down on the ground. I'll link a video for this as well. But you need to start expanding your ribs and expanding your belly and breathing with your diaphragm. When you breathe with your diaphragm, it's fluid. It makes your pelvic floor move up naturally as you inhale and exhale. It moves with it and then relaxes and then comes up and then relaxes naturally. It's not forced. It's you're actually... Your body doing its job correctly. So, sucking in, myth, do not do that. The fact is, you need to diaphragm breathe. I want you to simply sit at stoplights, do your dishes, sit at a table, sit on the couch, and think about breathing with your belly. Put your hands on your ribs, feel your ribs expand. Big inhale. And then exhale, feel them come back in. And feel that movement coming in and out rather than your chest going up and down. Also, when we suck in, naturally our ribs flare. They flare out. And we do this a lot of times in exercises too. Like I will be somewhere and I will see someone doing a tricep extension over their head and their ribs are so flared or are shoulder press, And I'm like, tuck those ribs in. <laughs> You're hurting your core. <laughs> Crazy Andrea comes out and then it's embarrassing. But anyway, it's important not to flare those ribs in daily activities and exercises and anything because again, it's turning off our cores and we want to breathe with our bellies. We want to have that belly breath, that diaphragm breath. So fact always diaphragm breath. Something else that is a fact that you might not realize when it comes to your core after you have a baby, no matter how long, is bloating and gas can increase when you have a weak inner core. I know it's common. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm. it's like so embarrassing. I'm always bloated or like it's so easy for me to pass gas. Well, because all the muscles are Weak. So for example, for bloating, if you think about, like I said, the linea alba is stretched out and it's not doing its job. There's no connective tissue there. And so the tension's very loosey-goosey. It's not really doing its job. So when you have something and the abs are not trained properly, it's so easy for it to push out because there's not a firm, good wall there, the abdominal wall, to hold it in. I remember when I first realized that I had diastasis or diastasis and I remember my husband saying to me, and it was the first sign, I'm telling him, I don't know what's going on in my belly. I was already back lean, but I had this lower belly um, right after my twins. And I remember my husband saying to me, which is very, you know, observational, and he is like the most, he's a fantastic human being, but I'm discussing this with them and he's like, I don't know. It's, he's like, there's nothing there. It's like your organs are pushing on your stomach and they're like pushing out. And he was exactly right. That's exactly what was happening. My abdominal wall was not strong enough. So when I had anything that was maybe my stomach was a little sensitive to or or even just throughout the day, like standing up longer, my stomach naturally pushed out and I had bloating more often. And even if I didn't have bloating, my stomach was more common to push forward because that wall wasn't strong to keep all my insides in firm and tight like a corset. I mean, imagine a corset. That would be like your abdominal wall. It's nice and firm. That's how your transverse abdominals connect inside your body. They connect all the way around your back, all the way around the front, and back to the other side of your spine. It is like this nice, big, long corset on the very inner part of your core. And if all of that's undertrained, and your linea alba is weak, well, guess what? Bloating is going to be more common. So again, we want to work on our diaphragm breath, and then we also want to work on our inner core exercises. Now, something else that is really important to point out as well, is for prolapse, gas is also more common because you can have a tight pelvic floor or you can have a weak pelvic floor. And either one makes it so it's like an uncontrolled muscles down there. So they're not doing their job as well. And bloating and gas are also very common for prolapse. Now, let me explain um, prolapse just in case if you don't know what it is. The pelvic floor organs, they have the pelvic floor muscles hold up those organs, and those organs are the uterus, the rectum, and the bladder. So when those organs, when the muscles that hold those organs get stretched or loose, it causes those to kind of fall, any of those three organs. And that can come out down in different ways and come out through the vagina, through the rectum in different ways. So that is when you feel something kind of protruding down the bottom, that's more often prolapse. And I definitely would see a... Women's PT, if you think you have prolapse, I have not experienced that, but it is definitely worth seeing a women's PT, but gas and bloating are also really common with that as well. Okay, so now that you understand that DR is common after you have kids, how common it is, what things not to do for it, to learn to breathe, I will go over some inner core exercises at the end, but we've also kind of gone over gas and bloating and some of those other things. What about if you have a C-section? Often I will hear, if you have a C-section... Pain just kind of goes along with the scar and the numbness, and there isn't anything you can do about it. That is a myth. So... 100% numbness and pain do come along with the scar often. And the reason why is because when the skin is cut for the C-section, they also cut the small nerves that are underneath the skin. So that would create the numbness and the tenderness. As the nerves grow back together, they have a different feeling, like they can be burning, they can cause pain, tingling, almost feel like pins and needles or lightning or numbness. So that's why It is normal, it is a fact, to experience some numbness or some hyper sensitivity around your C-section scar. Often, this does get better with time and the numbness does decrease over time. But saying that you can't do anything about it is actually incorrect. They have discovered massages that really work really, really well to help with C-section pain and to kind of work out that scar tissue. I will link a Instagram from a pelvic floor specialist I love and follow. And I've actually seen multiple times in person. She is actually in my diastasis guide and she's amazing. And she shows how to do the massage. I'm going to butcher it if I try to say it. So I'll just link that note. But she explains how to move across it up and down and back and forth and in a circular motion, depending on where you are in the process. And so you can improve the sensation there and improve the scar tissue with some of that massaging. You can also see a women's PT to help teach you that. If you're like, I'm not understanding, it's stressful, or I just don't get it. Again, reach out to a women's PT. I am not one, obviously, but I think it is worth its weight and gold to at least see one once, once after you have a baby, whether it was 10 years ago or two weeks ago. Well, actually, wait until you're at least six weeks to see one, but just go see one at least once, even if you don't have the insurance for it. Save your cash. And go see one because then they can assess you and help you with your exact questions. And they can also help you depending on your situation. If you had a C-section, if you have prolapse, if you have DR, or just anything that you're concerned about. After I have my babies, once I learned my lesson from my twins and some of the issues I had, I went after both my other kids just to get a checkup and see what was going on. Many countries offer this. It's amazing. They, they include it in the postpartum care package for moms. Like in America, we only do the six-week OB checkup, which is a shame. We should have another follow-up. It's really a shame that we don't have more than that. But I would still go see someone. So it is a myth that there's nothing you can do. They do have some massages, and a women's PT really can help you work on that and help reduce that numbing, and hopefully with time, that can decrease. And while it is normal and common, and you shouldn't think like you're a freak in nature because of that, it can improve. So click on the link in my notes about how to massage it and then also see a woman's PT in your area. All right. Next, we are going to slide down the core region. We're moving off the stomach. We talked about DR, all the things moving down past the belly button. We hit the C-section scar. And now we're going to go to the lady region where the pelvic floor is and talk a little bit more about your pelvic floor muscles. I know we touched on them already a little bit, but there are two myths that I see all the time that I need to say they need to be banished from society altogether. And I'm going to go over both of those and what you can do about them. The first one is peeing your pants. As I don't know how many times I heard when I had my twins, oh, yeah, some women just pee their pants after kids. That's the way it is. I had lots of people tell me that. I had even a family member say, "You just need to wear a pad when you do cardio now, or when you lift weights, or if it's in the night." And I was heartbroken when they told me that because I am a fitness enthusiast, and I was like, "Oh no! I I had the twins when I was 28, and I was like, I can't live the rest of my life with the pad. Like, talk about not feeling sexy, not feeling empowered, not feeling like just like yourself again. You know? I couldn't comprehend that. And the truth is that's a myth. It's false. You don't need to live with a pad the rest of your life. You need to retrain the pelvic floor muscles to do their job. Now, here's where it does get a little tricky. There are different reasons why the pelvic floor muscles are dysfunctioning, so they call it pelvic floor dysfunction. Sometimes it is because the pelvic floor muscles are tight. Sometimes it's because they're loose. I highly suggest you go back to episode thirty-nine with Dr. Sarah Reardon from the Vagina Whisperer. We talk about this in detail. She's amazing. I also suggest following her page. Um, she is just fantastic, and we're gonna go. We go into the difference between tight and loose in that episode. But being aware of that is very important because the practices to heal it are different. If you have a tight pelvic floor, you're going to focus on relaxing the pelvic floor. It means that you're always clenched. Like imagine your shoulders always raised. If you had like a tight neck, you need to learn to Pull them down and relax. That's kind of how the pelvic floor goes. If you have a loose pelvic floor, you have to learn to basically ignite the muscles. You have to learn to close and lift the pelvic floor like a Kegel. I like to imagine picking up a blueberry with your lady parts, an elevator shaft coming up and then fully coming back down and relaxing. Um, That is how I learned. And it drastically improved my ability. Like I was a fitness instructor and I had to teach a night class of kickboxing at the time after I had my twins. And I had to wear a pad to my class. And I was always scared because I like to exercise in shorts. As you know, if you follow me on Deliciously Fit and Healthy, you know I'm like almost always in shorts. And I was always like, oh my gosh, someone's going to see my pad. I'm going to kick. My pad's going to fly out. <laughs> it's going it's to smack someone in the face for, for all my luck because <laughs> that's how lucky I am. And so I hated it. And so when I learned to use my pelvic floor and to Pick up the pelvic floor, like imagine almost a parachute and drawing from all the corners. Like if you imagine your the front of your pelvic floor and the back of your pelvic floor is your coccyx and then the two sides, which are the sit bones, and then just picking up the pelvic floor and then relaxing it. I learned that and I stopped peeing my pants and I had to stop and I didn't have to. It was luxurious to stop wearing a pad as I was teaching kickboxing. It was beautiful. I loved it. So you don't have to wear a pad forever. It's totally false that you do. I have actually experienced both a tight pelvic floor and a weak pelvic floor. After my twins, my pelvic floor was very weak. After Easton, I developed almost a tight pelvic floor. I was probably, I don't know if it was from the labor or whatever, but I did go in and see a women's PT. I did focus on relaxing it, and she did do some internal massages, and I focused on also making sure that my glutes were nice and loose because oftentimes our butt muscles get tight and that connects to our rectum and it connects to our pelvic floor and it's all connected. So I would use a lacrosse ball and a foam roller and I would roll out my glutes and my hamstrings and my glute medius and maximus and everything. And that did help loosen things up if you have a tight pelvic floor. So It is a myth. You do not have to wear a pad the rest of your life. I am walking proof that you do not. And so are many, many, many of my clients and people who own the diastasis guide. You do not have to forever. The next thought that sometimes I hear from people or from clients or just, you know, while I'm in the mommy region and, you know, pelvic health is pain with sex after kids is normal. No, it's not normal. Not normal. That is a myth, myth, myth. Now, Does it happen? Yes. Does it have to stay around forever? No. So it's not a myth that it happens. It's a myth that it's just a fact of life and the rest of your life, you have to have uncomfortable sex. No, thank you. That is not going to go well for most people, for most relationships in general. So something interesting I learned while I was doing some research was the pelvic floor affects sex in two ways. A, if you are having pain when you have sex in the pelvic floor, chances are you have a very tight pelvic floor. Remember those tight neck muscles? If they're all like scrunched up and then like imagine like a massage therapist trying to like rub out your neck, but it's so tight, it's almost painful. Well, when you're in intercourse and you have a tight muscle in there and then you have little friend down there poking around, it's going to be uncomfortable. And so Learning to relax those muscles and maybe even get an internal massage from a PT and stretching out the muscles around, like I said, with the lacrosse ball, help with that. But I would see a women's PT if you have pain. Something else I learned was if you have a weak pelvic floor, it can decrease your sensation of your vagina. So you cannot appreciate sex as much because the vagina muscles are like, for lack of a better term, dead. (laughs) they're not feeling as much sensation because they're not trained, they're weak. And I actually didn't know that. And I thought, that is fascinating. That is fascinating because it just shows that a healthy pelvic floor, not tight, not loose, is going to be best for intercourse as well. And that is a part of majority of adults' lives. And so it's important to be able to have that healthy relationship and not have a tight or weak pelvic floor. And if you do notice issues with it to see a PT again, I really stand firm by that. Now, of course, right after you have a baby, sex is going to be different. I'm not saying that you may not bounce back right away. I get it. I did not. I can be open about that. I definitely say to wait until you are ready, but it takes time for those muscles to heal. I remember the first time I had intercourse after the twins, I was like so stressed because I was like, oh no, that's what I—that's what's going to be like the rest of my life. I didn't have pain because remember I had a weak pelvic floor. But as I trained my pelvic floor and as my hormones relaxed and as things changed, because a lot of times your hormones are off and you don't feel like yourself either. As I moved further away from the baby, things went back to normal. So if you are someone who is recently postpartum, it does get better. I promise you, I know that's stressful at first. If you are a new mama, it does get better. It does improve. But training your pelvic floor muscles to do their job correctly, not tight, not loose, is going to be beneficial for you to at least have that region bounce back because you already are dealing with being tired. You're dealing with hormone shifts. So at least you want to make sure that your pelvic floor is doing its job correctly. But it does improve with time. Just be aware. Like I had my PT tell me, Kat, she said, a lot of times people will call me and they're like four weeks postpartum and they they end up having intercourse and they're like, oh, I, I just am having pain, da-da-da. And she's like, okay. And she's like, I tell them to wait for eight weeks. And then they call me back and they're like, okay, never mind, it's fine. So you do have to give it time. That's all I'm saying. With all of these things with the core, no matter what the myth was or what some of the facts were, It is going to be helpful for you to work on inner core exercises. It's what I want to sum up. Because with all of these issues, it's going to help them. Whether you have the urine leakage, whether you have lower back pain, whether you have the separation of the abs, whether you have um, prolapse, or any of these things, it's going to help if you can learn to connect the pelvic floor with your transverse abdominal breathing. So first, you want to master the diaphragm breath, which we talked about in the beginning. Then you want to work on the pelvic floor. See how you can connect the pelvic floor. I do also talk about this in episode 15 on understanding and fixing the mama pooch. And I tell my story in detail. So you can listen to that episode, which will help. But you want to connect to your pelvic floor. Turn it on. I have some videos on it. I will also link in the show notes about finding your pelvic floor, about um, learning to lift it. A bunch of reels I've done, I will link them all in the show notes. Everything that I have, I will link in there. That's on social media. So it's easier for you to find. And then you want to practice the inner core muscles. Any video that you see on my page that is a core video, I will be very clear that it is an inner core video and what your core muscles should be doing. As you exhale in movements, your pelvic floor is supposed to rise. You are supposed to draw your transverse abdominals in. So remember the transverse abdominals, how I said they wrap all the way around your spine? They basically tighten in and wrap In, they draw in, and that's what makes the core braced. So, a lot of PTs will say, Oh, well, you brace the core, which is a short way of saying, you know, exhale, lift the pelvic floor, and draw your transverse abdominals in to brace the core during movements and as you strengthen them. And then you have to learn to relax, relax the pelvic floor, do your diaphragm breath. Every one of my videos on social media includes those. I think they're very important. You also want to be aware of your daily activities. If you are working on inner core exercises, but then you're bending over awkwardly, you're pushing your hips forward while you stand, which is throwing your back out of line, or you're arching your back, or you're always standing cocked to one hip, so like you're not centered. Any of those things are going to cause more problems as well. And the same with lifting if you look at any of my strength training videos, I will always cue when to connect the core during the lift. Typically, not always, there are different circumstances, but typically when you are working against the resistance is when you are going to exhale and brace the core. So exhale, lift the pelvic floor, draw your transverse abdominals in. So in a bicep curl, it's when you're lifting the weight. In a squat, it's when you're coming up from the bottom. It's when you are pushing against the weight. Basically, your power is overcoming the weight. That's when you want to exhale. If your weight is super, super heavy, if you are a power lifter, or a crossfitter, whatever, then you might want to brace that core before the rep starts just so it's really strong and connected and you're exhaling through the range of motion if that weight is really heavy so the core is stabilized. But if your weight is more of like a bodybuilding weight, like I tend to lift more bodybuilding weight, I typically do it on when I'm working against the resistance, when I'm overpowering the resistance. It also tends to be on the concentric movement where the muscle is shortening. So like the muscle lengthens when we're moving with the resistance most of the time and then it shortens when we're moving against the resistance. So. Hopefully that helps. I do have a DR guide. I'll link that in the notes. I don't necessarily need to talk about that. You can find it on my page. I want you to know it's there, which helps with the healing exercises and puts this all in order to make it easy for you, but you can do it on your own. I hope this episode was helpful for you. I would love if you would DM me and tell me anything else that you're curious about. Is this a fact or a myth? Is this real or is this not? Because these are just super common ones that if you have looked into, you know, pelvic health or postpartum health and the core, you've probably heard of some of these things. But if you have a question. Please leave it in a comment on my social media. I see the comments very quickly. I I search for those on any of my posts. My DMs do get a little bit backed up. I try to get to them, but I am more commonly able to see the comments because... They're just easier to view than the DMs. So if you have a question about a fact or a myth, please leave it, or you can send me a DM. I try to get through those as well. I hope you learned maybe what was normal, what's not normal, what can I actually change, and what things can get better. I fully believe that we can see changes in our core. It's just not necessarily the traditional way that we have been taught for decades and decades. The way we see changes is by changing our breath, learning to breathe, learning to feel our pelvic floor, learning to connect our pelvic floor, learning to do inner core exercises, then learning to connect our inner core to daily movements and strength training and all kinds of things. And it changes everything. That's how we're going to do it. We're not going to do it by starving. We're not going to do it by crunching. We're not going to do it by extra cardio or sucking in or feel better by wearing pads and all the things. None of that. Okay. It's all myths. So I hope it was helpful. If you did love this episode, please share it on your social media. I love to see those. It makes such a difference for the podcast and our ability to grow. Please subscribe to wherever you are listening. It is in the top right corner. It's changed a little bit on Apple. So you have to click on the three dots now and hit subscribe. And as always, I always appreciate a review. I do read those and I pay attention to those. And I thank you for leaving those as well. We will chat next week. And as always, you are doing better than you think you are.